Welcome to Radio KBPV, Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, a podcast about the history of southwestern Alberta, presented by Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village of Pincher Creek, a museum complex that documents the stories of Western Canada's agricultural settlement through the preservation of local buildings and artifacts among a six-acre park. Pincher Creek is a town of 3,700 souls in a vast rural trading area of some 3,000 rural dwellers. A vibrant region of rolling prairie, foothills, the Rocky Mountains, the Pecani First Nation, Waterton Lakes National Park, the Crow's Nest Pass, and the Upper River Watershed of the South Saskatchewan River Basin. Join us in this podcast where we present walking tours of our buildings and hear the stories of the farmers, townsmen, cowboys, mounties, pioneer women, politicians, chroniclers, miners, railroaders, and so many other significant histories of this particular corner of Canada. Hello and welcome back to Radio KBPV, the podcast of the Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village and the Pincher Creek and District Historical Society in Pincher Creek, Alberta. This is another in the series of our Talking Tombstone series for 2022. Yes, you heard that right. We're a little late in getting these posted, uh, but we're here now and that's the most important thing. Um, this uh, tour it took place in August of 2022 and uh, was led, uh, curated, and mostly written up by Farley Wuth, the curator for the Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, and read by a number of guest readers uh, assisting Farley as well. Uh, this took care a place at, uh, as we said, the Pioneer Cemetery in Pincher Creek, uh, which is the town's oldest cemetery. Uh, no longer in uh, popular usage, uh, but we have done uh, podcasts at Fairview Cemetery as well and at several other cemeteries across southwestern Alberta, ranging from Fort McLeod to Waterton to a number of uh, country cemeteries out in the various areas. And we've been doing this uh, program for about 10 years. So before I turn it back to Farley, I'd just like to inform you of the upcoming Talking Tombstones, which is in August, Saturday, August the 26th. So lots of time to plan. It will actually be taking place at Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village itself, uh, which you may not know, uh, has a few cemetery tombstones, but in actuality, the theme that we're going to be doing at the village is a tour of the village as you've never had it before uh, from the point of view of pioneers who have moved on from Pincher Creek, or shall we say their remains moved on. They no longer rest in southwest Alberta or the Pincher Creek area as uh, as they passed on. They, are, they have been buried or are elsewhere around the world. So we're going to take a look at their careers, their importance to Pincher Creek, and where they moved on to. So it'll be a little bit different uh, part of a tour. It'll be taking place on familiar ground, and this year will include a supper. Um, the reason I'm telling you about this so early here, we're in March of 2023 as I'm writing these intros, almost April actually. Um, we 
would like to naturally invite you to come out to this. Uh, the tickets will be available uh, through Eventbrite or at the uh, at the gate or at the door at the Pioneer Place in uh, Kootenay Brown Village. And this is also our invitation uh, if you would like to be a volunteer reader. The, despite the content, it actually is a lot of fun, and we do find that uh, the more people we have doing readings, uh, it just comes across as a better evening and uh, is a lot more interactive and such. So, uh, without with that and without further ado, I will turn it back over to Farley and our Talking Tombstones uh, 2022 from Pioneer Cemetery in Pincher Creek. So our reading today is going to be a very entertaining and thorough one, uh, presented as it is about John Oliver Bell, a pioneer homesteader from the Summerview District, which is uh, today north of the Old Man River Dam, uh, north and east of Pincher Creek in that area towards the uh, Porcupine Hills. And John Oliver Bell was born in 1836, died in 1910. And our presentation today is going to be presented by his great-grandson of John Oliver Bell, um, a uh, historian of his own right, um, Mr. David Glass of Pincher. Okay, our next presentation is on John L. Oliver Bell, who was from the Asheville district. David Glass is going to talk about, about his presentation here. Not just this right here. David's actually way as close to John Oliver Bell and William Glass, which is the next one. Let everybody get set down here. Okay, um, this is, I've been kind of listening and this has been kind of done in the first person, but I'm not the first person. So this is the first person, <laughs> this fella here. So Mr. John Oliver Bell is, for lack of a better description, my great-great-grandfather. And the, the fella next here, next door here, Mr. William Glass, is my great-grandfather who was married to one of his daughters. So that was Mary Gertrude Bell. But this fellow here and his brother George came out here uh, to this area, I would say earlier than Alberta was a province. They came out on a kind of a scouting mission from Manitoba. Now, th these fellows were born in Scotland, this particular individual here, who we call the old man, John Oliver Bell. He was born in 1838 on January the 6th in Scotland and he died here in 1910 on the 22nd of August. He was 74 years old and uh, as I know it he was one of the first wave to come here of our family from Manitoba and they had initially emigrated to Cape Breton Island and my great-grandmother Mary Gertrude was born in Cape Breton and there's still evidence of these people in Cape Breton. 
and last fall I took a trip uh, east to find where they were in Manitoba. I was waiting 45 years to get there and I made it. And he, this man here and his brother are responsible for the, the village of Belmont, Manitoba, which is in the southwest corner of Manitoba. They donated the land for that town and they lived right there. And then they came out here and uh, these two came earlier, but the rest of them, uh, there was quite a bunch of them. There was glasses and bells around Belmont. And Mary Gertrude, his daughter, got married to William Glass, who was my great-grandfather, who is right here. And they came out in 1904 and 1905. And, and they came to the Summerview District. This man actually, it says in here, he came to Summerview, but he was actually in Asheville. He was right across, right across from where Scott and Edwina Hammond lived which is the old Cairnstone Ranch, it's the Tommy Hammond place. And Scotty took me there about 20 years ago, right to where they were. And I had not known until that time where they, their homes had actually was. So it was the earliest one. And there's still indentations of buildings there. I've seen them and I go over there periodically. Anyway, um, the rest of them came out to Summerview and they came to the place which is now known as Heritage Acres, which is right over there. I can see it from here. And they, uh, they took out several homesteads. The family was doing multiple homesteads. There was other brothers. There was Norman and Joe Bell. Uh, this guy here, John Oliver and George. And they took out multiple homesteads, including some of the kids of William and Mary Gertrude. So they, they were mixing it up because you couldn't make a living on a quarter section. This is what became stunningly apparent after the place was settled. And so people started moving off. People started amalgamating land. And pretty soon there was bigger holdings of land. And they had two and a half sections out here. Now, part of the reason I went to find Belmont, Manitoba, is because I was trying to figure out why on earth they came out here. Because this is not good soil and uh, it was not good farming land. They should never have dropped a plow in it, I don't think. But anyway, they came out and um, they were well settled at Belmont, but the answer came to me last fall in talking to people in Belmont who still know the family after over a hundred years. And they said they ran out of land. That's what happened. They couldn't buy more land. And they had beautiful black dirt out there. It's just gorgeous, I mean. Yeah, they took me everywhere that they farmed out there. And so, so I'm going back like several generations. I keep the history in my family. I'm the last living glass here. There won't be any more after me. So once I'm gone, this is it. This is the end of it. But the rest of them are down in the other cemetery. And uh, this fellow here, he, uh, he was, the, he was the, the father of all of it, of the people that came out here. So um, for me to go out to, out to Manitoba and find that place was really important. It took me 45 years. But when I was there, I uh, had the good fortune to find an artifact. And it's this. And I don't know if any of you would know what this thing is, but I was just happened to be standing on the ground where their house had been. It was a tilled field. And I was right there and I saw this thing sticking out of the ground. and I just the neck of it. I thought it was a medicine bottle, but it's not. Does anybody know what that is? Inkwell? 
That's a pottery inkwell. And that would have been used by them out there, yeah, by the Bell side of the family. So they kindly let me take it with me. With me, And I said, you can put it in the museum. They said, no, you were supposed to find that today. So I took it, and it's very special to me. These kind of artifacts and what, what history I have. Like, I'm always gathering history of this family. But their, their movements were quite uh, vague in the east. They were in Cape Breton. They were in Quebec City. I, I have pictures of them with a stone boat pulled by a horse in Quebec, old Quebec City. Uh, they were making hardtack and ship biscuits for sailing ships. And then they came west. It, it seems to me that the glasses and the bells got together in Quebec City and they kept, they came west as a whole tribe. There was a whole bunch of them. And, and they always stuck together. They were around Belmont and they stuck together coming out here. And, you know, looking at, looking at when John O died, I mean, he was 1910. That's pretty early. And this guy out here, William Glass, my great-grandfather, he only lasted eight years out here. He, he died in 1912. And he ran the ferry on the, on, uh, the Summerview Ferry below their place. So, so it's, it, it's, an, it's an unusual family in the fact that it's all mixed up. And we're still trying to find out details of them. But we know enough about them that we've traced them back to, to Scotland. And there's always little bits coming out now, so so that's kind of how I how I look at it, and, and I, I'm always digging to find out more about them. So so that's uh, but they're they're special people. I mean, they were tough people, and they came out and they went through. You know, he didn't see the depression, but my my great grandmother did, and she was uh, Mary Gertrude, his daughter. Um, they went through the depression. He died in 1912. William Glass. And the whole family, uh, she kept. She was the glue that kept the family together out there. And and there was nine kids, and a bunch of them had something wrong with them, and and it was just like, it was a tough tough go. But she she kept the family together, and when she died in the 40s, the whole family just it, it just started to drift. And I remember going out there as a child, well, all the time I was always out there, and there was an old dining room table and the mail was piled up about three feet high on top of it. And you could reach into the bottom of that pile and there would be mail from right after she died. Like they just threw it on the table. And nothing, nothing was coherent out there anymore. They were just drifting, you know. They were not really good farmers and monkeying with equipment. And they always had a, a thing, the bells actually went broke out here. They, they had a competition among all the, ranch, or the farmers out here and they were all, always seeing who had the bigger steam tractor. Well, the, the Bells had a, had a 110 horse case. I've got pictures of it. It's a big one, it's early. But uh, Cridlin's had it, Bells had it, Maxwell's had it, and the Bells ended up going broke. And, and then they just, they vanished. You know, they just went away or they died. Um, I have the flooring, the flooring out of a third of the house that was built by Norman Bell in 1905 just past Heritage Acres there and it survived but it broke its back so we we salvaged salvaged what we could out of it but uh, these are objects from my history and, 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 and to know more about these people is very important for me I spent my whole wor working life in museums I worked in museums for 43 years so it's uh, it's always something that's ongoing for me so so that's kind of what I have to say about them and
They were good people. They were hardcore Methodists. They, uh, you didn't want to mess with my great grandmother. Apparently, she was. She had the book. <laughs> she she was a Methodist, and she was real hardcore. So uh, it, it's it's unusual, but um, but I enjoy going out there now, and it's just uh, it's kind of like we've been here forever, you know, ever since this started. So it's kind of kind of odd in the fact that I'm the last one, but that's the way it pans out. So so I just uh, I keep the history. So there it is. That's the little little different way of presenting it, but it's it's all there. Thank you for listening to Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. This episode was researched and written by historians Farley Wood and Gord Tolton. This podcast is recorded and engineered by Gord Tolton. Episodes can be found at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcatcher. Visit our website at www.kootenaybrown.ca. Kootenay is spelled K O O. T-E-N-A-I Also, visit and join our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more information on our museum or even better, visit us at 1037 Beverly McLaughlin Drive in beautiful Pincher Creek, Alberta.